Uh, so before I get started, first off, can we just give a round of applause to Vanguard Band who did worship all weekend. They were just really incredible. And beyond that, I really want to thank them and as well as Ambrose University who sponsored this event and they make this event possible to happen. Yeah, so excited. So before I get started, I just want to tell you guys what God has done because it's a lot. <laughs> We saw amazing things this weekend. So, so we had over 80 people here this weekend, which is crazy. <laughs> it was amazing. We saw kids freed from bondage. We saw students give their lives to the Lord for the first time. We saw students hear from God for the first time. We saw students get prayed over. And I'm sure there's much more that I don't know that happened. But I know is that God moved in this place and is going to continue to move this morning, because we are not done yet. I'm so pumped. <laughs> yeah, so if you don't mean, know me, I am the youth pastor here. I am Spencer Wills, and I am pumped to speak this morning. Yeah. So, welcome to Encounter Weekend, bright and alive. <laughs> yeah, so this morning, uh, you know, over this weekend, we have learned a lot you know, we learned what it meant not to be alone. We learned that we are more than our situations. And we also learned that we are sons and daughters of the king. It's incredible things that were spoken over this weekend from incredible speakers. You know, we had the youth pastor at Stony Plain Alliance come and start us off on Friday. And then Kim Shafar came and spoke on the Saturday morning. And then we ended Saturday with a lovely speaker named DeAndre Alexander from Saints Church who just really closed it out. And it's just incredible. And I can't wait to share with you guys. Yeah, um, so the youth, uh, you know, the youth team, we, we plan this whole weekend, and it takes a lot of planning, <laughs> you know, we don't just throw it half-heartedly in like one weekend, we start all the way back in October, so in October 22, me and my youth team, we got together and we started planning, we started saying, God, what are you going to do with this encounter weekend in 2023, you know, and we spent a long time in prayer, and asking God, where are you leading us? Where are you taking us? And in that, you know, in that session, there were, I remember there were two things that kind of stood out to us with coming up for the theme this year. The first one was an image, and it was an image of our students, you know, our youth kids, the kids that we love so dearly, um, living in this world that was like black and white. It was dull. It was lifeless. And, it, and in the vision there, one kid raised his hands in worship, and the whole image started to turn into color. And the more kids started raising their hands, and there was this beautiful image that we knew that was a key and vital part of this weekend. And the other one was just the words, bright and alive. So I knew right away, I'm like, okay, God, you are calling us to be bright and alive this morning. Bright and alive. Really stoked about that. So... We are bright and alive. That's what we are. That's what God is calling us this morning. And it's an incredible word. But what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean to be bright and alive? What is God saying? You know, and I did a lot of searching. I wanted to find, you know, verses that talked about this. And, and I came across this verse in Daniel, Daniel 12, which actually kind of like encompasses everything that this is. Daniel 12, 2-3 says this. 
Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. But those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We are called bright and alive. And bright and alive is many things. You know, from this, I immediately know that bright and alive is a blessing that God is calling us. You know, we have this incredible Father in heaven who is saying, you are bright and alive. But it is also more than that. See, bright and alive isn't just simply a blessing on our lives, but it's a calling. You know, Jesus calls us bright and alive, so he's calling us to be bright and alive in a world of black and white. He's calling us to be that light. He's calling us to be alive. He's calling us to, you know, come into this everlasting life that he's offering us and to shine like the brightness of the sky and lead many more people to righteousness. It's a calling that God has in our lives. It's a wonderful, wonderful calling. I'm sure you guys have noticed I got this little present here on the stage. It's a beautiful present. And we're going to talk about it for a little bit. <laughs> you know, uh, Nick, can I get you up on stage for a second? That's one of my youth kids. And we can give him a, a lovely applause. He's a wonderful, wonderful man of God, and I love him dearly. Sorry I sprung this on you, but I like doing this. <laughs> So, you know, sometimes being, giving a blessing from God is like getting a present, right? So I'm God, I'm giving you a present. You can open it. I want you to open it. Get excited. It is an old game console. Thank you, Nick. You can, you can go down now. <laughs> now he doesn't get to keep it. This is mine. <laughs> See, this, this is a Nintendo 64. One of my favorite gaming systems. I got this. This is my system that I got when I was eight years old. This is mine. It's mine, Nick. <laughs> it, is, it is very old. And I, I remember opening it up on Christmas. You know, we got the, like, me and my siblings got this to share. But, you know, I, I convinced them to, I get to keep it because I'm important. And <laughs> I, I remember the Christmas that we got it. And I remember I was so stoked. And... I never wanted to play with my siblings, and I hated having to share it. It was something I never wanted to share. You know, I just wanted to sit in my room, play Zelda, and just be left alone, right? That's what I wanted. I wanted just to, you know, play Legend of Zelda, you know, defeat Ganondorf, and all would be well. <laughs> you know, but after a little while, I eventually beat all my games. You know, I, I beat Zelda, I beat Banjo-Kazooie, I beat all the games that were like the single-player games. And eventually I was like, oh, I actually kind of, I want to share this with somebody. I want to share this with my siblings. So I remember, I, I, you know, me and my brother, we went out and we got two, two more controllers, because it only came with two, and I have three siblings, and we bought Mario Party, which is this, this really fun game. It's still a game today, but it was the original <laughs> when I played it. <laughs> and... Uh, and I remember playing it with my siblings, and all of a sudden, this became so much more fun. Not that Zelda wasn't fun. It was fun. But it became so much better when it was shared. I'm sure you guys can kind of put two and two together. 
that there's this beautiful gift that God is calling us bright and alive, this beautiful gift of eternal life. And we can hold it to ourselves. We can keep it. We can say, this is mine and mine alone. But that's not how God attended it. God attended us to lead many more to righteousness. He attended us to lead many more to this wonderful and beautiful calling. For us to be bright, shine, be able to show everyone the glory of God. You know, in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. Rather, they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Can I do another illustration? I'm full of them today. It's fine. <laughs> so this is a candle. I'm sure you guys understand. Oh, lit. Yay. See, at, <laughs> you know, when I, I originally read this passage and I thought like the bushel basket, it kind of made me think, oh, it's just like a, a lampshade, like something that you just put over, over the candle and then you still get light. It doesn't, like, you still can light the house. Like, it's just a little dimmer. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But then I, I did some research, right? And back in these days, the Israel people had, they didn't have light bulbs, of course. <laughs> They didn't have, like, our fancy technology. They had oil lamps, right? So oil lamps, they needed, it was like a flame. It needed oxygen. It needs all these things to survive. And a bushel basket is a very tightly weaved basket. It doesn't leave room for oxygen. So actually, when God was saying, do not cover a light from a bushel basket, that's what he was saying. The light is now out. He was simply saying, do not let your light die. Do not let it burn out. For I have said that you are the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hid. You know, this weekend we learned that we are sons and daughters of the king. Right, guys? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and with that, we know that that means that we get the inheritance from God. We are his adopted children, and that means that we get the inheritance of the king. We are representatives of the king. And with that, we get all these beautiful things. And, and this is one of them. You know, I cannot be called light of the world on my own. Because, you know, I'm going to ruin some things for my youth kids. I'm not perfect. Sorry to break it to you. I am I'm a deeply flawed human being. <laughs> I have a lot of shame and a lot of sin and a lot of things that, are, that I've made that are mistakes. And those things make it so that I can't be the light of the world. But the beauty of it is that I serve this God who says, no, but you're my son. And I'm the light of the world. You know, God is the light of the world. He is the light in the dark place. And if we are his children and truly heirs of the king, then that means I get to say, I am the light of the world because of my father. You guys are the light of the world. I'm going to talk to my youth kids just briefly for a second. Everyone else can still listen, but I'm going to talk directly to you guys. You know, you guys are the, you guys are the light of the world. You are a city, city built on a hill. So you guys, you know, we have seen 
how God has moved this weekend. We've seen the kingdom move in this place, right? And it doesn't stop here. You guys get to be the light wherever you go. You guys are going to be the lights in your schools. You're going to be the lights in your homes. You're going to be the lights everywhere you go. Because that is what God is calling you to. You guys, you know, I didn't come to Christ till I was 13. I mean, I really wish I did it when I was earlier. But you guys have the chance to be kingdom shakers and kingdom movers now. You guys can have an impact on your world now. And that doesn't matter that you're young. You know, some of you guys will have a greater impact on the kingdom than your parents. Some of you will have a greater impact on the kingdom than me. Some of you will have a greater impact on the kingdom than Darian, than anyone. So don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. For God has called you the light of the world. A city built on a hill. You guys are special. You guys are wonderful. And I love you. <laughs> you know, but I, I, I know what it's like to be a teenager. <laughs> Believe it or not. I know I'm turning 30 this year, but I was a teenager once upon a time. <laughs> and I, my youth kids have a hard time believing that I was once a teenager. I don't know why. I still look young, but apparently not to them. Um, <laughs> but... You know, I was once a teenager, and, and I understand what it's like. You know, you guys live in a world that's so full of anxiety and depression and all these things. And I know that, you know, if I was you guys hearing this message, my number one question would be, how can I be a light on a hill when I feel dead and numb? And I get that. I know what it's like to feel dried up. I know what it's like to feel like... All hope is lost. You know, I have felt overwhelmed and overcome. You know, for a long time, I let this idea of worthlessness define me. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, we are called children of God. I wasn't Spencer the child of God. I was Spencer the worthless. That was my identity. That was who I was. And no one could tell me otherwise. And I, I, didn't, I didn't see a way out, and I didn't see how it would get better. But it does. It's the beautiful thing, is that God has called me a light on a hill. And even though that depression, that anxiety, and that worthlessness feel ever encumbering, there's this beautiful thing about inviting God into our lives that makes an everlasting change. You know, anxiety is strong, depression is strong, feeling worthless is strong. But we serve a better and greater God than any of those things. Better and greater than any of those things. You know, and there's this passage in Ezekiel that I just really love. And it says this. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore I prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. O oh, my people, I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you to, bring you up from them. O oh, my people, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. I will have a place on your soil, and you shall know that I am the Lord, and I have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Beautiful. 
See, God has these incredible promises that he says to us, you know. And God is a promise keeper. You know, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says that his promises are yes and amen. And I know that to be true. That is God's full truth. And I understand that life can be hard at times. I understand that there's so many things being thrown at us from the world that are trying to define us. And I understand that sometimes places can feel dark, but know that God has promised restoration. In 1 Peter 5.10, it says, The God of all loving grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will personally restore, strengthen you, and rebuild you forever and ever. Amen. It's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Because <laughs> it's so essential. But what I love about this Ezekiel verse that I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. Right? Because we are called alive. But I know before I met Jesus, I was not. You know, I know before I met Jesus, I was a broken man. You know, I said earlier that I didn't really come to faith till I was 13. And it wasn't like I wasn't given... Many of many options before then. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. I, I grew up going to church every Sunday. I knew, I knew the Bible. I knew it really well. I, mean, I could quote it. I, 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 I knew the Bible, but I never believed it. And, and it w- wasn't until, you know, I went to a Bible camp in this one year. And I was sitting, and the counselor decided to pull me aside, and we had a one, one-on-one. And he said this thing to me that will forever be embedded in my mind. And, he, and it was, you know, he's like, God chose you. And I was like, okay. He's like, no, I need you to understand. Like, he chose you. Like, you were special. Like, he died for you. I'm like, I'm like I know that he died for me. Like, I, I know this. And he's like, no, Spencer. He died for you. You alone. He's like, yes, he died for me and he died for everyone around you. But if you were the only one that Jesus could save... He still would have done it. Because he chose you. And it broke me. And I remember I sat and I, and I cried with this leader and, I, and I, my life was forever changed. But I was a broken human at, before that point. I was damaged. I was burdened. I had sin. I had shame. I had all these things. But there's this beautiful thing is that Jesus doesn't leave us the way we are. You know, my youth kids, um, what's the thing that I say to you all the time? There we go. God is calling you to a higher standard. How will you meet it? I say it to them all the time. I'm sure they get annoyed of it, but I don't care. (laughs) And it's this beautiful thing because calling us to a higher standard means we get created as a new being. You know, Ephesians 5, 13 through 14 says this. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, sleeper awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Like we said, I can't be a light on my own. But Christ shines on me, and it is through the glory of God and the wonder of him that I've become new. I've become something different. I am no longer the broken, sinful person I once was. Sometimes I go back to those things, but they no longer are who I am. 
You know, in First Peter 2, it says this. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all the malice and all guile, insecurity, envy, and all slander. Like new- newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that it may grow into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, come to him, a living stone. Though, re- though rejected by mortals, you have been chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in a Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whomever believes in him will not be put to shame, but will receive honor. Then is for you to believe but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word that they were destined to do. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. In order that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not his people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the beautiful part of it, guys. As this thing of being called bright and alive. You are bright and alive. That is the truth that is spoken by God, and that will never not be true. However, you have to accept that. You know, Jesus, it says here that they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You know, we were all destined to receive Jesus. That is a free gift offered to all. Everyone is, was chosen to be a royal priesthood, to be a holy nation, to be God's own people. But if you don't allow yourself to be a cornerstone, allow yourself to be a part of God's family. You know, we are adopted children. That means we have to accept that adoption to receive that inheritance. That we are called bright and alive, but we need to accept that calling on our lives. We need to accept that Jesus has many more better things for you that he has called you all to a higher standard. That isn't just for my youth kids. That's for everyone in this room. God has called you to a higher standard. And he hopes that you meet it. That's an impossible standard to meet. I'm not going to lie. But I thrive for it every day. I work every day to get better and better and better. You know, I am far from perfect. And there's times when I don't feel alive, but the fact is that Christ has made me alive. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22, it says this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human, the resurrection of the dead also comes through one human. For as all die in Adam, all will be made alive in Christ. Yes. <laughs> this is the beauty. I am made alive in Christ. You know, this beautiful story that we know is that, you know, Jesus came 
to this earth in human form. God made himself a human to live among us. When he was among us, he ate with us. He prayed with us. He healed us. He did miraculous works and wonders. And then we killed him. And he got up on a cross and he died for you. And in that same way that Christ was calling me bright and alive, I got to die with Christ. My old self got to die with him. And then that same way that Christ got raised from the dead, I got back from the dead with him as a new creation, as now an adopted child of God, as now a royal priesthood, as now part of God's people. See, my old self is now gone forever. I will no longer be my old self. That person is gone. I will no longer be the sinful person I once was. I will no longer be the person who looked in the mirror every day and said, I am not worthy. Who would look in the mirror and say that I am not worthwhile. Who looked in the mirror and said that I am worthless. Because God chose you. Every one of you, as special people, as a holy nation, as bright and alive. This is more than just this thing is that he wants you to come into his arms. He wants to bring you in and let you experience this life that he has for you. And it's a wonderful, wonderful life. I'm not going to say it's easy. This life isn't easy, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. You know, John 10.10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but I want an abundant life. I'm going to invite the Vanguard band up at this point. You know, I, you know, I accepted Jesus at the age of 13. I've said that three times now, but that's fine. <laughs> and I would never take it back. Not in a million years would I ever take that decision back. Because I can trace every good thing back to that decision. I can trace my wife back to that decision. I can trace my son Hugo back to that decision. And I get to trace that I have the greatest job in the world of working with these amazing kids back to that decision. Because the day that I said, Jesus, I will stop believing the lies. I will stop believing that I am unworthy, that I'm unvaluable, that I am not worth your time. And said that, God, I believe that you've called me bright and alive. Everything changed. Everything changed. And again, I'm not saying that I, I, I didn't have struggles. I didn't have hardships. That there were still persecutions, there were still times of struggle. But the joy of it is that I got to say I am bright and alive, that I am a light to the world because of Jesus. It's a beautiful, beautiful story of Jesus reaching out. You know, you know, my, my youth kids know this, but I'm just going to say it to this one again. I love you guys. I love you guys so much. You guys are wonderful people. And to see you guys grow and learn 
and encounter God is probably the greatest blessing I will ever receive. Because I get to see you guys come and encounter God. I get to see you guys change into the person God has made you to be. He's made you to be something wonderful. He's made you to be something beautiful. He has called you bright and alive. God is calling a lot of people that. And I know a lot of you are probably, maybe a lot of you are struggling today. Maybe there are some people here that are going, yeah, okay, you're call- Jesus called me bright life, that's great. But I still feel dead and numb. I still feel worthless. I still feel these things. I still feel like I am unworthy. I still feel like I am worthless, that I have no value. But God's saying something different. You know, I have uh, an incredible youth team. I actually, I don't want to brag, but I think I have one of the best teams in the church. <laughs> and I have seen them pray over our students this weekend. And see our students' lives changed because of my leader's faithfulness. And I want the whole church to kind of experience that. So I'm going to invite my youth team up to the front. Incredible young people who have served God with such faithfulness and wonder and obedience. So maybe you are here today and you're going, I don't feel bright and alive. I feel worthless. I feel shame. I feel like the sin is too much in my life. But I promise you, God is calling you something different today. I promise you that God is saying something about who you are. Not who you feel you are, but who the King of Kings says you are. Who the creator of the world says you are. Who the man who came down on this earth as a man and died for you and then rose for you says you are. So my youth team today here are going to be my prophetic team. So if you feel like you are defined by something else, defined by something that is not of God, that is not from Him, they're going to pray for you. I want you guys to start coming to the front and they're going to pray for you. They're going to reveal to you what God is actually calling you, what He's actually saying about you. Because God has something to say this morning. I hope you guys believe that this morning. That God has something powerful to say because he cares about his children. And you are his adopted children. You get the inheritance of God. You are called a royal priesthood because of him. So there are lies in your life that are preventing you from experiencing who God has called you to be and what God is saying about you. So we're going to knock those lies down We're going to tear them down. We're going to come at them with a sledgehammer with the mighty Holy Spirit and knock them down and destroy them. Because they don't have say in who you are. They don't. You know, I felt worthless for a long time. And sometimes that thought pops back in my head. But I get to say, no, you do not define who I am. He does. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Messiah, the Creator of all things, 
He only gets to say who I am. So we're going to go into a song. And as we worship God, as we praise Him, I encourage you to come forward. Get prayer. Get to hear who God has called you to be. Who God says you are. Because He has said a mighty thing about you this morning. I know that in this place. He has already done a mighty work among our youth. And I believe there's a mighty work still to be done with our youth. But there's also a mighty work to be done across this congregation. Across this city. Across this nation. God is doing a deep and mighty work. But today it's going to start here. With people running in obedience to say, God, who do you say I am? I want to know. I want to know. God, as we enter into worship, as we enter into your presence, Lord, I pray that you would reveal, that you would speak truth, that any lies or fear that is built up would be torn down, for they have no place here. For perfect love casts out all fear. Let your perfect love resound in this place. Let your truth reside in this place as you are the only voice that will be spoken this morning. Pray this in your holy name. Amen.